the Ontario government reportedly going to allow private stores to sell marijuana once recreational cannabis becomes legal on October the 17th. That is the magic date. Source from the provincial government told the Globe and Mail and the finance minister Vic Fideli and the attorney general Carolyn, uh, Carolyn Mulroney are expected to make the announcement as early as next week to outline a plan to let the private sector uh, own and operate cannabis shops. To talk about this, Bruce Linton, founder, chairman, and CEO of Canopy Growth and friend of the show. I just lost him. How did I lose him? Dusty, you're going to have to call him back. He's gone. All right. So uh, let me give you a little bit more information here as we try and get Bruce back in the line. I don't know where he went. Um, The source who spoke on condition of not being identified also indicated that the government would still control the distribution of the product to stores and manage online sales. Of course, uh, Kathleen Wynne and her government plan to give the uh, LCBO a monopoly in the sale of recreational cannabis. And with more, with only 40 stores slated to open this year under the LCBO, they uh, subsidiary called the Ontario Cannabis Store. Now that uh, is uh, all in question. Bruce Litton joins us right now. Bruce, welcome to the show. CEO, founder of uh, Canopy Growth and a friend of the program, as I like to call you. Welcome. <laughs> It's good to have friends in these times, isn't it? Absolutely. And friends in high places. And I don't mean that as a, no pun intended there. What do you think of the uh, move to allow private stores to sell recreational pot when it becomes legal? Um, Listen, there's there's a self-serving answer, which is if we can participate, which we already are participating in uh, Newfoundland, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, and look very likely to be awarded stores in Alberta, what happens is we can have a tweed store and it's, it's, it will eventually allow you to make more margin, but really uh, what it allows in the first couple of years is to do a better job of retail. And what I mean by that is Kelly comes strolling in. Kelly thinks she's a expert in cannabis because the guy in puffy coat taught her everything he knows. And in fact, you're just confident. And what we really need to do is take you through a process of understanding all the options, which ones might be for you, making sure that people understand occasions, consumption, and really doing an onboarding. And so that as we have more sophisticated products that come out in 2019, will hopefully build a, uh, a sense of responsibility, loyalty, trust with you, which means you'll come back to us. So we're quite excited about it, but for those reasons, primarily now, because when Prohibition ends, there's actually going to be labels, and it's going to say what's in it, and it's going to be true. Mm-hmm. And that's a big change. Yeah, absolutely. It's a big change because there's no guesswork on what is in that yeah. baggie. Exactly. And so we have a program of, we've been out and done about 50,000 interactions with doctors across Canada under the existing program and what that's taught us a great deal about is what are the objections what are the answers where are the sources and so we took all that information and we inverted it into a retail training program and that program has been adopted by most of the eastern provinces you know from pei through uh, newfoundland and brunswick and by us and so now what you're doing is actually taking evidence and science and four years of interacting and turning that into training so that you don't just say to a bud tender, hey, come on in because I think you have the right piercings, right? This is going to be a lot more uh, sophisticated and, and, and I'll call it, I think, successful because of it. And when you actually run the stores, you can deploy that. I was going to ask you if this is going to be a good move, a bad move, or a neutral move for uh, cannabis suppliers like Canopy Growth and Tweed, but I think I've just got my answer. Because you're going to be able to actually set up your own retail stores. Well, you know, to be determined, but it certainly seems to be like if if you're the government and you're putting out an RFP to say, I need to buy a computer system or a jet engine, you say, 
anybody who ever dreamed of designing a jet engine, please give it a try? Or do you actually look at the standard skills and expertise of the companies and their track record and their capacity to execute? And so for the fact that we've been able to produce many millions and millions of grams of cannabis and not lose that cannabis, that we have a tracking and control system, that we have the educational platform I described, that we actually have a great number of the, I'll call it attributes, you would deem to be the expert at this. And so the province wants to be successful. They don't want to just initiate. And that's why most of the provinces across the country that have gone with some element of private distribution have chosen us. We're speaking with Bruce Litton, who's a founder, chairman, CEO of Canopy Growth. Uh, Bruce, and friend of program, and friend of program. And friend of program, for sure. I appreciate that. <laughs> appreciate that. Thank you so much. Um, so how do you feel about the idea that, you know, Shoppers Drug Mart and places like that who do want to sell marijuana, definitely medicinally, could get into the, the uh, sale of recreational pot when legal? Could that still work for you as a supplier? Mm-hmm. I mean, you'd supply to them and then you could have your own uh, outlet as well. Is that what you're yeah. thinking? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, I'm not sure that the pharmacies are going to be your party place. Mm. And so I think the pharmacies will become a part of the uh, distribution process over the next year or two. Because, you know, uh, under Canopy, we have a medical division. And this summer, we're conducting our first, what they call a phase 2B trial, which essentially means you take about 160 people and you put them in a trial where sometimes they get the product and sometimes they get a placebo. And you try to determine, did it cause the effect we expected? And if it did, you can now start to make a claim saying that it actually does cause males of this age to sleep better, for example. How many people do you have lined up just trying to get on that trial? Can you imagine, like, hi, would you like to come and sleep in a pretty comfortable bed at a hospital? And you may or may not get marijuana for free. Um, So it's Just go to Whistler. Yeah, well. (laughs) You'll find a bunch of people in line. Yeah, well, we make light of it, but like if you go to... I live a, there, I'm uh, being truthful. <laughs> if you go to a uh, a business meeting, suppose you go and uh, sit down with a bunch of financial brokers, accountants, lawyers, you know, a lot of people who have jobs that don't turn off at a certain hour, the number one challenge they have is with some frequency, um, they wake up around 2.45 in the morning because little gremlin got out and starts running around telling them the stuff they should have done and they didn't do mm. or did wrong. And that's called sleep anxiety. And it's a primary form of insomnia. And that's the sort of thing where we think there's a very strong indication that the cannabis plant actually does help you. Now the question is, and what dosage and what delivery mechanism, but if you start to hit that one well, all of a sudden you're now going, those other folks making the other sleeping aids, sleeping pills, they have a major problem. It's us. And I think that kind of product presented in a shopper's drug mart or a Rexall would make an awful lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I jokingly referred to before, I used to say like when uh, some of the pharmacy chains really said they're going to get in the uh, recreational marijuana business, I said like there's really only one fun aisle in a pharmacy. So like are they going to put the cannabis by the sort of, uh, you know, burritos uh, and condos? No, it's the lubes and condos and, and, and pot or is it going to be like where where does it fit in the actual right. purpose of the store? And if it's actually going to be sold as the format of a dried cannabis rolled, um that is a very smokable product. So I think their fit's going to be great when you get to the actual medical products. I'm not sure they're going to likely be a big place to sell, uh, you know, uh, three grams of oil joints in a package. What about those illegal distilleries, uh, dispensaries rather, right now? Well, I think those have become pretty dangerous businesses to operate about October 17th around midnight. And but C45 has very specific provisions. Like what they're selling is cannabis that came from nowhere. 
Right, but if you if they if they then were told you got to clear out your product and you have to take uh, you have to sell from reputable suppliers like Canopy Growth and Tweed, um, would you guys be in favor of having you know those those independent uh, which are now illegal uh, dispensaries selling products? Listen, we've always said we would be happy if we could actually get them to sell legal product. I think the challenge is going to be that. Um, you know, the government now has a tax advantage. When you sell the product that comes from us, they make tax, and the province gets about three-quarters of the tax that comes off this for the next few years. And so what they're going to really be interested in is, um, at the end of the day, are these places effectively selling the legal product and never allowing the illegal product in? Right, so and that's so a big question have, mark. Right, and they'd have to, so like in uh, Alberta, Manitoba, Nova Scotia, or uh, uh, Saskatchewan, uh, in order to get our license to be the operators of these stores, we have to uh, give them unbelievable amounts of personal background, financial information, and other information so they can confirm that we haven't been doing things that are illegal and we don't have connectivity to uh, organized crime and that we're not going to be very likely to sell illegal products. And so I suspect all those checks will happen in Ontario, and I don't know how successful people will be at getting a license to sell legally if they have to divulge that all their income came illegally for the last two or three years. Mm. The Ontario government is going to uh, reportedly, if you're just joining us now, allow private stores to sell marijuana once recreational cannabis becomes legal on October the 17th. You know, they've, they've talked about the fact that one of the reasons why they're making uh, marijuana available recreationally and, and legalizing it is to eliminate the black market. With a move like this under the uh, PC government as opposed to the liberal government that wanted the LCBO to control it in a monopoly form and, you know, we're only slated to open, you know, 40 stores here in Ontario uh, this year, do you think that this will be more effective in eliminating the black market, opening it up to private stores? If, if they get it right, obviously the more points of access available to people who want to lawfully buy it, the less likely there is a, an illegal sale because it's more convenient. Um, but ultimately, it's going to come down to, you know, just good governance and um, being sure that, in fact, what they're not doing is simply flipping the switch to who's in and that they still continue to sell illegal product. And, you know, to have been in a very successful moonshine maker and moonshine seller, I don't know gave anybody the right to participate in the regulated alcohol sale business. And I think that that's kind of what we're looking at here, right? This is going from prohibition to government sanction. And so um, I think it's going to be a very interesting, how's it going to, you ask me in a year which one's the best, like Quebec is all um, government and Nova Scotia is. And Nova Scotia is doing it in a very interesting way. And they're saying, we already have very secure buildings with parking lots and people who check ID. Mm -hmm. When you go in the front door on the left-hand side is the cannabis, on a glass wall, the volume is on the right-hand side is the uh, alcohol. And, you know, I don't know what will make people more confident, whether it's that model, a discrete separate store, the private sector, but we're going to have a pretty interesting run for the next year or two looking at it. How's your stock doing today? Little bump? I must admit, you know what? I've been in greenhouses that we operate in <laughs> in British Columbia all day. You say that just, every I, time I ask you about I, your I stock. Just, I, I just came out actually to do the call with you because uh-huh. I haven't looked at the stock. I expect it's gone up. Yeah. Um, it should. People who understand that um, why sell wholesale when you can get retail margins would see that as a, an important thing. Right. But um, you got to have a lot of stuff to sell. So uh, I think it's interesting to spend a bit more time on the production side still so that we're sure to have full stores, not something that looks like a Russian bakery. All right, Bruce, I'll let you uh, back into that, uh, the, the uh, production 
chamber or wherever you're going. Where what is, is it like a big? So we're in. Uh, it's a. It's about the one I, I just came out of is about a 1.7 million square foot greenhouse in Delta, and uh, I can tell you that it appears marijuana plants like the sun and weather of British Columbia. Who'd have guessed? Yeah, go figure, Bruce. I appreciate your time <laughs> as always. Thanks for joining us on the Pot Report. Thank you, Lai. Cheers. That is Bruce Linton, a friend of the show, fair, uh, founder, chairman, CEO of Canopy Growth.